0: So we have a gospel here that's maybe less familiar in its full contents but uh, is f- somewhat familiar to Catholics because we always get this question off and on in our sp- speaking with uh, by other Bible-believing Christians. You know, you call your priest father, but Jesus said, call no one on earth. Call no one on earth your father. He also says, call no one teacher, call no one master, so out with words like ju- judo master or webmaster. or maestro (laughs) which is just another name for master uh out with teacher uh you know out with tutor you know things like this right and apparently out with father now but of course you see that's a deadpan literal kind of approach to the scriptures that misses the point and sees the tree but misses the whole forest and um for example if, if jesus really meant to banish the word father well, Paul, St. Paul never got the memo. St. Saint, uh, Saint Jude, who wrote the wrote letter of Jude, never got the memo. Um, you know, St. Peter, uh, St. You know, James, none of them ever got the memo. There are over 200 references in the New Testament scriptures alone to the reference to an earthly male parent as being called a father. So it's not that the word is to be banished, or, but the point is that the title is to be understood as always subsumed under, under the heavenly father's fatherhood. No one is true father except the father alone. And if anyone on this earth is a true father, he is under the heavenly father's fatherhood. He imitates the heavenly father. No one is a teacher except under God's teaching. If they violate God's teaching, they don't deserve the title teacher. If someone does not represent fatherhood like like, uh, like a father should, he does not deserve that title. That's the point, all right? So all fatherhood has its origin and its model in the heavenly father. All teaching and all authority to teach has its origin in God. And anything contrary to what God teaches is not teaching, is not fatherhood, and so on. And that's the real point of a text like that. But I think the bigger picture here, like I said, the forest, is a question about something that we all deal with all the time, and that's the question of authority. What is authority, and what is it for? And it's important because I would say every one of us in this church, because we dismiss the littlest children, are both under authority, but in some sense we also have authority. So we certainly know we're under authority. We have government authorities. We have authorities at work. We have, you know... Authorities in our families and so on, yes. But we also have authority. Many of you are, some of you are political leaders. Some of you are, are, are lawmakers and uh, police officers and enforcers of the law. Some of you are lawyers. Some of you are involved in, at work as being supervisory positions. And many, if not most, of you are parents. So all of us are both under authority and we both have authority. And it's very easy... in in our world to just sort of shake our fist at the authorities above us and never look at the authority that we have and how we use it. So I'll give you just a personal example. I can come up with all quick kinds of things that the diocese should be doing that's right or better. The bishop should do this, the bishop shouldn't do that. But you know what? I don't run a perfect parish, y'all. Somebody say amen. I do not run a perfect parish and everybody knows how to run this parish better than I do. But you see, the point is that uh, you, you know we, we always are quick to, you know, to observe the defects of authorities above us, but we never look to our own authority. And that's why I want to keep this personal. Well, look at the bigger picture, but let's also remember this isn't just for that other guy. He should listen to this gospel. It's for all of us, because I would argue that I can hardly imagine as I look out in this group with all the kids gone. That almost all of us don't also have some authority to some degree, and in certain places. All right, enough said. Now I want to just look at several quick teachings, but that I wouldn't want to spend the most time on the fourth thing. So, the first thing is just notice there's the tenure tenure of lawful authority. The Lord does recognize that there must be headship, and there must be authority in the human family. God Himself, you know, has established a certain hierarchy, commanding children, for example, to honor and reverence their parents and by extent all lawful authority. So, Jesus says this. He says, "Now look, the scribes and the Pharisees. I know you don't like them; they're always troublemakers. But I know, but they do have authority. They've taken their seat on the chair of Moses. So, observe all the things whatsoever they tell you, uh, but don't observe, don't follow their example. And we'll, we'll unpack that in a minute. But before we..." Before we go any further, let's just look at some other scriptures that teach that even if we don't like the people in authority over us, that there is, nevertheless, a need in any culture or family or structure or organization, some need for authority, and God himself says we ought to recognize that. Now, for example, this is from Romans 13. Paul writes, let everyone be subject to governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. And therefore, he who resists authorities resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. Now, again, are you familiar with the phrase other things being equal? In other words, holding other things, really strange or anomalous situations over here as a general rule, not an absolute rule, but as a general rule that we ought to obey governing authorities. We ought to obey just laws. We ought to pay just taxes. We ought to uh, listen to laws that are for our the way we organize ourselves and so on. We generally, as a general rule, not absolute, but general rule, we should follow these. Now, where are some exceptions? Well, if there's an unjust or in in fact even an evil law that commands you to do something you know is against what God teaches, you ought to disobey that. But Paul is speaking here with a general norm, not an absolute norm. Do you follow me? Be careful, because we tend to take scripture texts and just absolutize them. See, no exceptions. That's just not true. Even the early Christians had to sometimes say no to the emperor and get killed for it. (laughs) They couldn't burn incense to some other god. Amen? So please keep this in mind when we talk about laws and authorities and so on. Now, as a general rule, then submit yourself to them, obey them. But by the way, oh, well, he doesn't know the kind of leaders we have today. Well, guess who was the emperor when he wrote this? A guy named Nero. Now, even if you haven't studied much history, most of you got to know Emperor Nero wasn't just evil. He was perverted. He was any negative word you can come up with. He, sur- he, had, he surpassed it. Nero was a terrible man, okay? So don't don't tell me... You don't like this group or that group or this leader or that leader. Some way with them. Uh, if only Paul knew what we would have. He he knew in abundance what we would have or do, don't have. And he it was far worse. And he still says it. All right. First Peter, chapter two, submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men. Titus three one. Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient and to be ready to do whatever is good. Okay? So in other words, we're not to be rabble-rousers or rebels, or we're not to be out just causing trouble and refusing to obey just laws because God is my, my God. You know. He says good Christians are good citizens. They're not out trying to make trouble. They're trying to live their life and obey God who has appointed to us that there are authorities in this world. Uh, just to um, run re- real quick here, you know, First Peter 2.17, Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the king. Or again, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. All right. So this is just, I just want to establish this as a principle. There is such a thing as lawful governing authority in this world and also in the church, and we see that they are other things being equal to be obeyed. And uh, this is where we ought to generally find ourselves. There will be certain rare exceptions that if, again, a law is passed that's evil, we can resist it, protest it. But generally in our culture, our democracy, there are lawful ways of addressing grievances rather than just simply, you know, throwing a, a rebellion, OK, or revolution. But anyway, you get the point. Let's move on, though, from the Jesus recognizes that the scribes and the Pharisees are troublesome men, but for now, they have governing authority. Now, later the Lord will change this when he commissions them, he ordains them priests, and sends them out. But for now, this is what the Lord says, that the scribes and the Pharisees have the chair of Moses, do and observe what they tell you. Now, we see next, there is the tyranny of arrogant authority. He says, don't follow their example. They preach, but they don't practice. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to carry, and they lay them on other people's shoulders, but they don't lift a finger to move them. You know, we know in our culture, for example, some of our government officials pass laws for us, but they they hold themselves exempt. Quite Literally, in the law itself, they hold themselves exempt. See, this is the kind of stuff that irks us, you know, when we find out about it, see, Uh, Don't do that, says the Lord. (laughs) If a law is good for God's people, for the people, then it's good for every one of God's people, right? All right. Now, don't follow their example. They tie up heavy burdens. They don't lift a finger to help and so on. We all know that big government can get burdensome and likewise in the church too. We can get very insensitive and heavy burdens and these kinds of things weigh down God's people, you see. And so all of us have have to look then, now let's, let's get then to our own authority, those of us, all of us, who have some authority. Let me just ask you to ask some questions about how you and I exercise our authority. Number one, does the exercise of my authority make wings to lift people up? Or is it a dead weight dragging them down, just saying no all the time, do what I say the way I want it? So am I a dead weight to people? Or do I use my authority to kind of supply them with their needs and their resources and lift them up? Yes, we all have to say no sometimes, but the general rule, am I trying to really help people with the authority I have? Is a teacher really trying to help her students, or is she just getting her way? Or is a father or a mother, are they really trying to help children? Are they just venting their anger, or are they giving them proper instruction and punishment at times, you see? What's, what am I doing, and why am I doing it? If a pastor, is he just haranguing his people and yelling at them and getting stuff off his chest in the pulpit, or does he love them, and is he trying to really teach them, sometimes hard teachings, but also consoling, encouraging teachings? What, what do I do with my authority to teach? You heard the first reading. Malachi warned the priest of his day. There are some of you who are not telling the people the truth. You're lying to them. I'm going to curse you with a curse says the lord all right so you see god will not leave unrequited priests to misinstruct their people another question does my authority help does my authority help people or does it haunt them do you know what i mean oh no here he or she comes man you know when the cat's away the mice will play and, again, there's some truth to that. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, when, when the, if someone who has authority walks in the room and everybody's just haunted, or, you know, or am I really helpful to people? Okay. Does the authority I have carry, up, carry others, or does, do I make them carry me? Get my needs met. Do what I want. F- f- fulfill my ego needs and my will and my wishes. See? That's... Or so I, do I... Do I help, if I have authority, do I help to carry others or do I make them carry me? Does my authority that I have bring joy to people or depression? Does my authority unite people around common goals? Or does it merely unite them in unproductive anger and fear of me? They're all looking for the next job. (laughs) How would those under your authority answer that these questions your children your co your you know at work if you're a supervisor if you're a legislator or a lawmaker or a judge or a lawyer or what a medical doctor whatever you see what uh, how do people see you and how you use your authority so we see the tenure of lawful authority there is lawful authority the the tyranny of arrogant authority but now we also have to notice and I'm just going to mention these in passing because I think in our culture we're pretty good about seeing through this but there are the trappings of self-centered authority. So Jesus says, look at them, you know, they their works are performed to be seen. They're all the visuals, they like titles of honor and seats of honor and you know. And uh, I think in our culture right now where we are, we see through a lot of this. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that, but you know, you know, you know the type, you know. They want all the titles and they want all the you know, the perks and things like that. You see, but you see, I think I'm not going to spend time and I'm going to move over that. But here we come then to this last point that I want to make. There are several points beneath it. The truth of Christian authority. The truth of Christian authority. Jesus says, look, don't be called teacher, rabbi. You have one teacher. Don't be called father. One father in heaven. i covered that. Don't be called master. But there's one master, the Christ. And the great, here comes the key, here's the money quote. The greatest among you must be your servant. And whoever exalts himself will be humbled, but whoever humbles himself will be exalted. So let's draw some teachings just from these lines. The first thing that I already mentioned at the beginning, so let me just mention it briefly now, that there's only one authority, that's God, and he shares his authority with others. Um, so there's one authority. and so All authority is under the authority and headship of God. See, all authority... He's under the the headship. Every one of us who has authority will one day answer to the real authority, God. I shared some of my authority with you. What did you do with it? Did you lord it over people? Did you make it hard for them? Or did you use it to help them and guide them and teach them? Same with our money and all of our other gifts, right? How did you use the money I gave you? The other talents I gave you? How did you use those things? Did you use them to bless others or to hurt and harm others? Or did you just use them selfishly for your own gain? All right. So that's the first principle of Christian authority, namely that all authority is under the headship and the authority of God. Number two, all all fatherhood, all headship is submitted to the Father uh, and reflects his fatherhood. Okay, I'm going to pass over that one now, but here we come to the, because I mentioned it earlier. But number three, All authority exists for service. So the Lord says here in the text, the greatest among you, namely the one who has authority, is the the servant of all. The greatest among you is the servant. Now, therefore authority exists for service. If we have authority, we have it in order to serve. That is its purpose. So again, take a teacher in a classroom. She has authority so she can teach those kids. She needs to call the shots, put away your math book and open up your, your social studies book or whatever. Uh, and now it's time to do this and time to do that. You know, and, and so she has to call the shots so that she can serve them and really take care of them and keep good order in that classroom. Because if one or two kids are spouting off and making trouble, the whole classroom gets affected. So a good teacher will have to say, no, you be quiet now. No, later, later. I mean it. We're going to stay here. So there has to be authority to keep co- the common good and order in that classroom. But she doesn't have it to lord it over. I get to do everything. I'm the greatest up here. You better fear me or I'll send you to the principal's office, which may need to happen occasionally. <laughs> but anyway, uh, you see the vision, though, all right? So again, so for any one of us who has authority, are we, does this authority exists so that we can serve those, help them? Who are under our authority to do well, to excel, to grow, to increase in their understanding and maybe one day take my place. Good authorities train authorities who come after them. See? Good leaders train new leaders. All right. Let me just read something that Jesus elaborates this principle. This is from Mark 10. He says, you see how those who have authority among the Gentiles lord it over them and they make their importance felt. See? Authority is power, but it cannot be so with you. Instead, he says, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be like the slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to to serve and to give his life as a ransom for the many. So good people in authority will also make sacrifices for people under them. It's not all about them and their ego and how I can make more money or I can have a better corner office or I can get ahead. They make sacrifices so the people they work for and who are under their authority can thrive and grow and get better themselves. It's for service. How are you doing? How am I doing with that? With our authority, right? I know that at times we have to be firm. There are not not every subordinate is wonderful and ready to grow and thrive and they have listening ears and you know they're ready to learn <laughs> ready. I know well you don't know the people I'm under I have authority over you don't know how my you don't know my kids <laughs> you know I get that but again remember what I said earlier general norms right there's going to be specific situations where firmness is required but it's a general norm authority is for service and number four Authority is always exercised among equals. If I have authority or you have authority, that doesn't make us better than the people under us. Before God, we're all equal. Now, I have some titles. Monsignor. (laughs) You want my full set of titles? The very Reverend Monsignor Charles Evans Pope, um, M-A-M-D-M-Div, Um, Dean. (laughs) You know what my biggest title is, the best title I have, the most important title? Child of God. (laughs) Same one you got, right? (laughs) We all stand before God, whatever our role is vis-a-vis one another. Have you ever been in a situation where you were once the supervisor, and then someone under you, I don't know, somehow got promoted and they were the supervisor? (laughs) You know, it, 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 it ought to really be that way, right? That we would be as willing to serve the people, you know, under us if they were in lawful authority over us, right? And so there's an equality. This isn't I'm, I'm better than you because I have authority. I must be better than you. Or, or sometimes for unfi- some people, we, we often think that authority is about power. So those who have authority have it either because they have more power or more money or more influence so that's the cynical thing and sometimes it's because we think they're smarter than we are or they're older you know all right but whatever at the end of the day that teacher in the classroom I've been talking about is just stands before the father just like those little kids in fact we all look like little snot-nosed kids to God I told you before God does not call me Monsignor he's what's that what does that mean there's one thing that there are several things God doesn't know, and one of them is what a lot of our human titles mean. It's, I can't understand. What does that mean? We use these titles, but God doesn't. As you, you've heard me say, He calls me Carlito, little Charlie. Little Charlie, Carlito. Okay, so authority is for service, it's always under the headship of God. Authority will answer to God. Authority is exercised among equals. And um, um, there would just be, you know, I think one, one other aspect that I wanted to bring out, which is that, finally this, that <clears throat> authority is deigned by God for the common good. That is to say, I don't just have authority for, uh, if, if you have a subordinate who's talking to you at work or a child or someone who's talking to you, there may be the authority in the moment, but it's bigger than that. It's all about the common good. So this is why we have elected officials, we have police, and we have other law enforcement officials. It's not, uh, it's not uh, you know just say they can you know, harass me personally, it's to keep the common good so that within that, all of us can thrive. And so it is that I think at times we can get a little bit worked up about laws and limits and rules and taxes and... We can get worked up and that's the big picture and then in the church we get angry about this or that situation and this or that leader we can also get kind of worked up in our families and our workplaces about these things but at the end of the day sometimes it's good to keep peace and not just shake our fists at authority and undermine authority not just for my sake but for the common good so that we don't create a kind of a, a bitterness So what I'm I'm leading up to saying is that I think in our culture today, all of us need to watch our big mouth and the way we talk about leaders. You know, I I know that we have vigorous differences among us today. But I think that the the, the kind of the vitriol and the name-calling and the bitterness That we sometimes express toward them publicly and in front of children and just just without any discretion whatsoever we just we just we just give the full download of our venom it doesn't help other people and it, it, it tends to bleed into areas where we really need to maintain authority so if we want to undermine the authority of of governing officials around us we tend to undermine children's attitude towards parents or teachers and we know today that there's a A lot of children today who are very, very bold toward their elders and teachers. They're incorrigible, they are not correctable. But you know, they pick some of this up from us and how we talk. Now look, we all have to vent, we have close friends, you know, but we just I think need to be a little more careful in our language, even just sometimes by using proper titles. Sometimes I'm, I'm so afraid that you know, we just call presidents, for example, with their last name. You know, it's president. It's, it's, it's our, you, know, our, you know, we have a president Obama, president Trump, uh, to, to use two different examples. <laughs> um, it's president Biden, not just Biden. This and blah, 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 you know, there, there is a time for us to be more respectful, even in just simple ways, and then just to be careful. We have legitimate, very serious differences with some, with some of our political leaders. I understand that, and there's a process called the political process. But the vitriol—that's not—that shouldn't be coming out of Christian mouths. Okay, we stick to the issue. We talk about our differences honestly. All the name calling and the venom and the hatred and the—that has to go because it doesn't belong in a Christian mouth. Well, I'm sounding kind of preachy up here. I think we, but I I can work on it too. All of us can. And by the way, in the church too, there's some real differences. And a lot of Catholics talk about bishops and the Pope and others. And we have serious differences in the church today. But sometimes the name calling gets in there too. It has to. It's not. It's not pleasing to God. Okay. And if we undermine authority over here, we're going to tend to undermine authority or or disrespect for authority over here. We're going to tend to undermine respect. And this authority over here, where we still really need it, like in a classroom or in a family. Okay, enough said. Authority—it's a really important topic, isn't it? And so again, there's a tenure of lawful authority. There is place for authority; we need it. There is a tyranny that can sometimes set up an unholy authority. There is also, though, again, the truth of Christian authority. And that's what we want to aim for, namely that all authority is for service. It's all under God's headship. It's to serve one another and to be served. It is also then among equals, always exercised among equals. And it's something to be very careful that we not undermine, but that we keep it for the common good. Amen.